If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we're joined by Josh Zingelbaum with Legacy Group. So Josh has uh, got a little bit of different uh, investing style than we're accustomed to covering on the show. So I'm super excited to have him here and share with us uh, what him and the guys over at Legacy Group are doing. Josh, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Sterling, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Josh, can you... Uh, Give us a breakdown of your history, what you did before real estate, how you got into real estate, and what you guys are up to today. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So uh, I grew up in central New Jersey, um, studied economics. Um, out of college, I started working for Wells Fargo Bank and eventually Wells Fargo Advisors. So I was managing relationships for high net worth individuals. And I, and I noticed a parallel with all of them is that they invest in real estate. So I started to get intrigued in what made my affluent clients the way that they are. And uh, I guess in my early 20s, I, I ended up buying a primary residence, kind of fell in love with that and uh, very attracted to residential real estate here in the US. It's definitely something that I get behind. Um, also, obviously, that opens up a whole nother world of commercial and whatnot. But I was very focused um, in my career on the lending side, asset management, wealth management and all that. Uh, it, it brought me down to uh, South Florida, where I am today. So in 2018, I did a lateral uh, when I was with Wells Fargo in, into Miami Beach, which is great. And I was a relationship manager here for a book of high net worth individuals and business owners. And about two and a half years ago, I got exposed to private equity. I had an opportunity to work as a VP of business development and capital raising, uh, syndicating capital for some single asset hospitality funds. Uh, with that, I met the partners who I work with today. Um, at Legacy Group. Uh, they're based in Medellin, Colombia, myself in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So for the last year and change, I've been heading up um, investor relations as its director, and we do US-based investment opportunities. However, our assets are in Latin America, more specifically in Colombia. So our flagship portfolio company, it's, it's a real asset business. It's called Green Coffee Company. Uh, with our latest acquisition that we're penciling in now, we're going to have over 6,000 acres of coffee farmland. And we're the largest producer of coffee in Colombia today, actually. And we've done that entirely with our own capital and capital from our investors who are primarily American. Uh, we've done three separate funding rounds. I spearheaded our Series B, which we finished last year. Uh, we brought over $30 million in equity down to Colombia. We're deploying it into real assets, like I said. Uh, but what makes the opportunity interesting is it's not just real estate, it, it's an operating business. So we have different verticals at the company. Uh, so we're working on roasted product, byproduct and all that. We have a processing facility and uh, investors own common equity in the whole company, not just a slice of the land and its cash flow. So we have a goal of growing this thing over the next several years. We're targeting an exit in 2026 uh, through IPO in US markets. Uh, we're also dual tracking the business for sale. But investors love what we're doing because it's real asset back. It's a hedge against inflation being in agriculture. Our investors are heavily invested in the US, including myself. So we're looking for exposure into other markets, into other asset classes. So we're definitely doing something unique in the alternative asset real estate space, but outside the US. Awesome. I feel like you've probably said that before. 
<laughs> no, I'm just teasing. No, uh, that's that's awesome. There's there's a lot of interesting things about that that I would. Um, I don't know what it is about owning uh, farmland in Colombia that I found so find so cool, but I, I definitely want to do that for some reason. Um, the the main the I guess the first question I have is we've 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 heard of other operators that are that are operating in like like Latin American farmland before. Um, but I think this is the first time I've heard one that is based in Latin America. So is this a Latin American company? What are the, what are the risks? You know, obviously the first thing you, that come up, right. And I'm sure you have this conversation a lot with, with American based investors, like, like, like what kind of, what kind of risk mitigation do we have being like a, a foreign entity and a foreign, like what kind of recourse do we have? Like what kind of protections are in place? Like, how can I feel comfortable sending my money overseas? You know what I mean? So like, can, can you elaborate on how those conversations go? Or is it just one of those things like, and I don't know what your return profile is, obviously, if it's high enough, you can accept a higher amount of risk. So just kind of elaborate a little bit on that conversation. Yeah, I would be happy to, Sterling. So uh, first and foremost, uh, investors get comfortable because they're actually owning common equity in a U.S.-based business. Uh, so we're issuing shares in a Delaware holding company. So our investors have the comfort of having a, actually a domestic investment. Think of it as owning shares in a company such as Coca-Cola, which has operating subsidiaries in Latin America and all over the world. Okay. And, and investors are comfortable with exposure in other markets because they have a U.S. domiciled investment. So from an investment perspective, money is actually sent here to, to our account in the U.S. When it makes sense, we, we send it over there as an asset manager and we use it to buy assets on behalf of our investors. But really, that U.S. structure is what people get comfortable with. Um, in terms of being outside the U.S., I mentioned that this is a means of diversification. So obviously, things function a little bit differently down there than we're accustomed to here. But we definitely hold clean title to all the land. We do all the diligence the same way that people would do in the States, but in a different manner, specific to the market that we're in. Um, and you know, we have a U.S.-based management team. So, so while we have the two partners at the firm who I mentioned, they're, they're located down in Medellin. They're both from the U.S. and we were all educated here. So it, it's a group of Americans, essentially, at the asset manager level at Legacy Group. And at Green Coffee Company, um, at the portfolio company level, we are employing like world-class managements. We brought in a, a CEO, Boris Wilner, who's a 25-year veteran of Colombian agriculture. We have our chief agronomist, who is the former head agronomist for Starbucks in Colombia, and uh, we're really just, we have like such a solid team. And, and if you saw it, yeah, it's about the returns and the business plan. We have a very robust business plan, highly detailed uh, down to the T. And, and we've really laid out our growth plans for the years to come. So investors could get comfortable there. From a return perspective, you, you mentioned oh, it's maybe it's higher returns. So investors could justify that. I think so. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that the risk is incredibly high relative to investments with this return profile, but we are forecasting a 53% IRR in our most recent investor presentation. Okay, because I thought I remembered from looking at your website, like a 7X equity multiple. Yeah, so on our Series C, on our preliminary presentation, this might evolve from when now and then when the show is released, we're forecasting an 8X net, net equity multiple on, on our Series C round. I think what you're referring to is the, uh, the Series B projections, but yeah, definitely... Very attractive over, over a five-year period or right year. now. So we're targeting a 2026 exit. And the reason that we're able to 
hit such high returns and such high alpha is because it's an operating company. It's not just a, a slice of agriculture. So there's inherent value in the business and its yeah. other verticals. Operations and internal assets. Yeah, plus all the land and, and the rights to its cash flows from, from the agriculture. Which um, minimal investment? Our, our minimum investment is $100,000 and, and it's open to accredited investors only. And uh, we would welcome 260 investors to date at various investment amounts. Our, our largest is about $4 million. Uh, we have a couple right in that range. Typically, investors place around a quarter million with us, with a hundred k minimum, though. Awesome. So that that's a really cool uh, investment opportunity. I, Thank I, you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I like it. Um, I just I just do playing boring multifamily and single family houses. <laughs> uh, well, I, there's definitely a need for that. Uh, that's for sure. Um, from I, uh, I love it. <laughs> how, how did you get into? Or, um, you know, how did we end up in Columbia buying a coffee company? Sure. So the the founding partner of, or the founder of GCC, Cole Shepard, which, which is one of the partners at Legacy Group, um, he, he traveled through Medellin about seven years ago. He, he was formerly a, a CPA and he was doing mergers and acquisitions internationally. So he had experience outside the U.S. He went to school here in the States, but he was living in Asia, um, in in Bermuda, and then he was traveling through through Colombia. And, and he just saw it as an area ripe for opportunity and arbitrage. Uh, first started in some real estate type projects um, because there's opportunity there as well in the traditional real estate space. And he kind of just fell in love with the market and decided to call it home. <laughs> and then uh, he came across this opportunity in, in coffee. Um, I believe there was a colleague or a friend of his that was doing something similar in, in a different agricultural space, not similar in the sense that we're scaling it, but raising capital to buy agricultural land in, in Colombia in, in a different sector. And he got we got turned on to the idea that the project was really born as an as as a cash, as an alternative to multifamily for people who invest in those projects to get exposure outside of the U.S. And we thought it would just be we, we buy farmland and spit off cash flow and have like a high yielding investment for, for accredited U.S. investors who are looking for, for something different. But the, we soon realized that we thought too small and the business started to evolve and it's grown to what it is today. I mean, three funding rounds later, going into the fourth, you know, lar- like I said, largest producer in Colombia. We, we have a goal in the next two to three years to be the largest Arabica coffee producer globally. And um, yeah, I mean, we, it was just, I don't want to say we, we stumbled upon it, but um, I guess, I guess the partners stumbled upon the market, saw that it, there was opportunity there and, and we're on the ground uh, operating firsthand for for over five years now. Awesome. So, who's the end buyer for your the end buyer for for the product today? So, so right now we have a wholesale B two B model. So, our end buyer would be large specialty buyers and trading houses. So, we have relationships with some of the largest largest trading houses in the world, such as Sukafina, SKN. Uh, so we'll offload product to them on an international level outside of Colombia, whether that be here in the States or in Europe or even in Asia. And then we also sell domestically in Colombia to a collective organization. So we, there's such a large market for coffee. It's, it's one of the most traded commodities on earth, at least second to oil. Uh, so there's definitely a liquid market, but we do it in a wholesale manner of containers today. And we process the coffee cherries down to a green coffee in our in our facilities. But then we sell it to a trader who ends up selling it to to a roaster or another end buyer there. But part of our growth plans and that are laid out in our Series C round 
would be to go more vertical into the roasting channel. So we're looking to either acquire or build out a roasting facility in the U.S., where we could funnel some of this green coffee through and then likely still sell wholesale, but like a wholesale roasted product. So, so we're looking to go further down the value chain, make more margin per pound. That's part of the growth plans as we look to expand before an exit and really move operations, not just having them in Colombia with a holding company here, but actually have some operations here beyond the sales team where we're producing a roasted product. Um, so, but right now it's, it's wholesale B2B unroasted. Cool. So um, this is a good bit different than Wells Fargo. A little bit. I think so. <laughs> I, I don't think we had these products at the bank, which is one of the reasons why I was attracted to it. You know, the, the, this, you know, the mutual funds, uh, ETFs, individual stocks and bonds, you, you say things to put the clients at ease when the markets are in turmoil, but you really don't have control and you're not an active. Oh, no. You're maybe moving things around <laughs> for yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. But... Rearranging the furniture yeah. on the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I was looking for something more dynamic and rewarding and, and this is it. That's for sure. That's cool. That's a really cool subject matter. Um, I'm curious. And if you don't know the answer, you don't have to know every answer about coffee, but we're going to we're on the topic. How has the coffee market been impacted by all of the other energy drink supplements and all of the coffee replacements that have come out in the last decade, I guess? Coffee consumption has been growing globally. Uh, so we're at, I think, over 2 billion cups of coffee a day are consumed on a global basis. And that's growing. What will drive a lot of it is adoption in Asia. So we're seeing that in Japan and other parts of the continent over there. But have they not been on the coffee train for not not as much no not not as much as we would be here in this part of the world um, but but it's definitely penetrating the market especially the special the high end ultra high end specialty coffees um, I, I wouldn't say that the energy drinks are diminishing coffee consumption maybe it, an argument could be made that if they weren't drinking that they'd be drinking coffee <laughs> but but coffee consumption has been increasing on a global basis right. even with the advent of, of energy drinks and you know you didn't ask this but in a recession, which we're entering or already in, or or economic slowdown, people are still going to consume their coffee. They might just consume it in a different manner. So they might not go to Starbucks and get a latte. They might get it at home. But you know, as a producer at Origin, that doesn't really matter where it's consumed. Right. <laughs> These are at the farms. If you're Starbucks, I might be a little bit concerned <laughs> with that. But I think they're doing uh, all right. I think they'll do okay as well. <laughs> but. Um, you know, in any event, it's, you know, we, we see consumption growing essentially. Uh, and, um, and we're in the specialty coffee market. So we're not doing it. We could sell it at a premium above commodity. And, you know, there's a lot of demand in the specialty coffee market for sure. Um, I would say. Absolutely. Well, that's cool. What, what other, um, what other areas are y'all in? I, I think yeah, the 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 coffee company is is only a, a, a portion of of the assets that you you go after. What other areas are y'all working in? That's that's correct, Sterling. So we 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 either start from the ground up or we seek to invest in unique early stage investment opportunities in Latin America that have high social and environmental impact. So we have another portfolio company which you may have seen on our website. It's called Polygonus. They they're a tech company in the heart of Medellin. They do three D art and design, e learning. They create uh, the 
the digital characters that you'll see on Netflix productions in LATAM, or, or they'll create uh, video game characters, among other things. So they also have an academy that teaches people how to do this. It's a really interesting business. Uh, Legacy made a seed investment in them three years ago, and it's just grown exponentially ever since. It's not one that we've opened up for outside investment with uh, limited partners or investors here in the States, but it's possible that we might do so in the future. And we're actively diligencing other unique early stage investments in agriculture, technology, energy, to, to name so a y'all few. Are, y'all are heavy in Colombia then? Yes. As of right now, yes. Uh, Colombia and I would say maybe the U.S., we, we could say as well, at least from an investment perspective, but heavy so, in Colombia, but open to other countries for sure. Uh, I think we like Mexico as an option down the road. Um, so it remains to be seen. How is, and, and I'm ignorant on the subject, but how is Colombia's economic and political environment today. I used to live in Caracas, Venezuela next door in in 1999. And at the time, you know, Colombia was not the place to be and people were fleeing Colombia to come hide in in, in Venezuela. And, and from my understanding, the tables have turned and and Colombia is great. We you know, you can't go to Venezuela anymore. Yeah. So like, what is the current political and economic environment over there these days? The, the tables have definitely turned. Um, I see a lot of uh, Venezuelans down there <laughs> when I go to Medellin and the surrounding area. Uh, the current environment is very capitalistic. So Colombia is the longest running democracy in South America and um, it's capitalistic at heart, like I said. So they're very business friendly. Um, you'll see in Bogota, a lot of the major multinational corporates that we have in the US, they have offices down there. In, in Medellin, it's more for um, startups, venture capital, technology. I see a bit more of that in Medellin, but it's definitely open for business. Uh, We're seeing a tremendous amount of capital flow down to the region from venture capital firms, outside investors. Um, SoftBank announced a LATAM fund and it's deploying down there. Uh, We we just think that that Colombia is the go-to market in the region in South America from um, capitalism perspective and and the friendliness and also the human capital is strong. So we see that at our portfolio companies that, you know, high work ethic, low turnover, very, people are very passionate about the work that they do. Uh, So we're fortunate in that. So I I believe the environment is strong Um, overall uh, politically there, there's a new president who's coming into power and um, he's expressed support for production of goods in Colombia, coffee being its national product would stand to benefit. Um, So I believe we have support nationally um, at a local level. We have great relationships in the towns in which we operate. Uh, We're a member of CEA Colombia, which is the Council for American Enterprises doing business down there. So that gives us some information from the embassy and access to certain protections. But I would say the environment is strong. You just need to know how to navigate it. And having boots on the ground allows us to do that. Awesome. So what's what's next for you guys? Well, we, we were talking about in the beginning of the, of the presentation. So the Series C round for green coffee company is definitely what's next. Uh, we expect to launch that sometime here in August of 2022. Uh, we're targeting um, potentially upwards of $100 million, um, in investment, both It'll be equity and debt. And um, we're going to be announcing that to our general general database within the next month, I would expect. So that's definitely what's on the horizon and it'll be our main focus 
uh, through the end of the year. So have you, have you guys gone through this full cycle before? Have y'all done an IPO or, or is this, what's your, what is your, what's your background here? How, what's the, um, sure. what's the track record of the company? So we haven't IPO'd a legacy group portfolio company. However, one of our partners, Adam Jason, he's a former securities attorney and has extensive experience in taking companies public, doing private and public debt and equity issuances. So he had a full career as a corporate attorney before moving down to the to Medellin uh, to pursue entrepreneurship. So, and then beyond him, we have a senior advisor at Green Coffee Company and at Legacy Group, Chris Kelly. Um, he's a partner at Jones Day, one of the leading law firms here in the U.S. Tons of experience on his end, personally, um, advising companies on, on equity issuances. So uh, we have a very strong team, and I, and I think we're capable of delivering. And I've seen it firsthand in the last two and a half years where I've been exposed to this. And the business has grown just so much in such a short period of time. And, and I, I'm confident that we have the ability to deliver on the exit. Awesome. What's next for you, Josh? What's next for me? So um, hopefully some more travel. You know, I love visiting Medellin, um, South Latin America in general, travel to Mexico uh, every year with my wife. Um, she's from there originally. So we go visit some family, um, just focus on health, wellness, doing the right thing. Um you know, career, family, all that, you know, I'm very much focused on what I'm doing at legacy group from a professional perspective full time, but I'm trying to get more engaged in the community here in Fort Lauderdale. I'm part of a nonprofit trying to educate people, help them, you know, be better and uh, spend some time with my wife, my folks. Uh, that, that's awesome. probably what's on the horizon. Cool. Cool. Um, any, any plans to do any other, any other kind of real estate investing outside of the, the organization? Yeah. Yeah. On a personal level, you know, I, I invest here in Florida. Um, so my wife and I are, are looking to build a, a portfolio of residential properties, potentially for uh, for short-term rentals possibly. Um, but that would be, you know, me personally, not something with investors, but definitely intend on investing domestically. I'm bullish on the South Florida real estate market, specifically East Broward County. Um, I, I love it here. I think it's... Um, you get away from the rat race a bit from Miami, but it's close enough that you can get there. You know, we're talking like 30 minutes to get down to Miami. So I love this market here and I, I think it'll continue to grow. So I absolutely intend on continuing to invest domestically here in Florida. Awesome. I love hearing that. I see so many vendors and, and, you know, people that are in the business or, or my, my lender folks that, that are not doing any investing on their, in their own personal side. And I, I, <laughs> I fight them every time. I'm like, I see them just raking in, killing it, making all this money at some large company. I'm like, what are you, what are you like, what, what assets are you buying personally? And I, well, I hadn't done any. I'm like, you need to get your life right. Yeah. <laughs> so I love hearing that. Um, real quick, I want to hop to our radio round to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. So it's just three quick questions. The first one is, what's your favorite book? Hmm. What's my favorite book? Let's see. I'm looking at my my list, my books over here. I have several that I like very much. Um, High performing habits is one. Um, I'm looking at that here. High performance habits. Yeah, high performance habits. And I just finished that last week. <laughs> and then 
uh, you know, both of Ray Dalio's books are great. He put out a recent one, which resonates a lot. Uh, with Changing with Order. Yeah. I got, so I got through principles one. I, I read principle, the first principles when I was, um, when I was doing 75 hard. So it was kind of like I was forced to get through it, but yeah. I haven't been able to make it all the way through the changing world order. It's just, it's long. <laughs> it is long. Yeah. It's sitting on my wife's nightstand right now, actually. So I, I know she's having trouble getting through it as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your favorite quote? Oh man, that's a tough one. It um, is a tough one. And I usually give my guests a heads up at the beginning before we start recording that I'm going to ask that. And I didn't give you one. So I'm sorry to put you in the spot like that. That's okay. Um, I don't have a favorite quote prepared, but you know, I'm going to have to pass on, on the favorite quote, I, I suppose. Um, but, but certain people that I look up to, I maybe would be good to fill in. Sure, sure. So, um, Elon Musk, for sure. He's just a visionary, absolutely killing it in terms of innovation and carrying the human race forward. So I feel like everything he says is <laughs> yeah. a great quote and I get behind most of it. Um, we'll, find, we'll find some of his uh, most famous quotes. Yeah. In the show so, yeah. So, for it. yeah, I'll pick a visionary instead of a quote there. Then. Awesome. No, that's great. And then what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Yeah, spending time with my family, for sure. Um, I have a lovely wife. We've been happily married almost seven years. We have a dog, soon to have a family, hopefully. So trying to work on having kids. I uh, just moved my parents down to South Florida earlier this year. So spending time with my dad a few times a week, taking them out to the beach, play ping pong, play pool, You know, going out to eat locally, uh, try and stay involved in the community and with my family, for sure. Awesome. That's my favorite. I love it. I love it. That sounds like everything I did before I had kids. <laughs> uh, man, I'll be right behind you pretty soon. Uh, I'll hopefully. I'm just teasing. Um, so how can our listeners find out more about you, find out more about Legacy Group, sign up to invest with you guys? Yeah, please find us online on our website. That will be legacy-group.co. That's CO without the M. And then you can also send us an email at investor.relations at legacy-group.co. And on our website, you can subscribe to our newsletter uh, where you can send us an email and we'll do so for you. So we'd love to get out you know, weekly or biweekly content that's relevant in the alternative investment space. Uh, we educate you on that, on Latin America, on coffee. Uh, definitely get in touch with us. Subscribe to our newsletter. We'd love to connect for a call and discuss our investment opportunities and hopefully welcome some of you into our Series C funding round, which is upcoming for Green Coffee Company. Awesome. Uh, it was really great meeting you, Josh, and, and I look forward to keeping up with you in your journey and finding out some more about uh, about these, these asset classes. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate your time. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.